Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts. Steven with Night Mask number eight. And, and Andy, I'll be covering Cyforce number eight. Uh, started in 1986, the New Universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably, maybe cinematically realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Uh, Eight new comic series were launched in one month, set in our world in 1986. Now, as the stories progress to 1987, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except a few secret agencies, mostly evil secret agencies. Um, With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. Uh, We also have a website, kickersinc.com. There you can check out that website, uh, links to our social medias, and the Super Sloop sweepstakes, which are still going, win some comics. Uh, There's an excellent Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe fans, and we have a Twitter, at Kickers Inc. So when in doubt, look for something labeled Kickers Inc. (laughs) (laughs) It was was the most available IP we could find. The best IP, you mean, right? Well, also that, yes. All we have to do is twist things a little, and I I think there's a lot of these names we can get uh, both the website and the Twitter at for, so... We want all eight. I don't know, but we, <laughs> we start calling ourselves Sports Power Plus, Steve Magnaconti's failed super science business. <laughs> well, I'll say NYC Smashers was available. Uh, mm, don't yeah. don't grab it out from under us, kids. We may need it if we uh, have to retire the uh, pro bono work. But anyway. anyway, this week I'll be covering Night Mask. Keith Remsen is a young paranormal who can enter people's dreams in the disguise. Night Mask, with his sister Teddy as a psychic anchor, guidance from Dr. Ballad, and support from physical therapist Leader Mercado. He helps others at the Ballad Dream Clinic. This week, the nightmare begins for Night Mask when he meets Justice. Oh my God! Written by Archie Goodwin. And penciled by Keith Giffen. Okay. <laughs> That's like one of those Halloween <laughs> sounds. <laughs> oh, they call it a Willem scream for some. Oh, nice. Well said. Well said. Um, I'm I'm recovering from unspecified virus of unknown origin, <laughs> so I'm not going to try any of those cool sound effects. <laughs> I'll just be uh, thinking them in my mind. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, this week I'm covering Cyforce, avoiding trouble from street gangs and government agents. A group of psychic teenage paranormal runaways is bound together by a psychic entity called the Cyhawk, who they resent and fear. They have no name for themselves, but we call them Cyforce. 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 And we get to see the Cyhawk today. Um, This week, a tourist trip to Alcatraz Island turns into a merciless manhunt of the Cyforce when the evil paranormal stalker returns. That's a mouthful. And this time, he gets them. 
Wait, he got him last time too. Solid as a Rock is written by Danny Fingeroth and penciled by Mark Texiera. So, all right. Nice. We also get Universe News. Finally. <laughs> oh. Yeah, a few new like ads and things in this, this month's books. Oh, well, let's jump right into Nightmask number eight. It was uh, cover dated June 1987 and apparently hit the racks February 24th, 1987. And um, last month, uh, we had actually, we've had two issues in a row by Roy and Dan Thomas writing um, sort of case of the week type of, uh, issues with um, uh, people having trouble in their dreams and um, fairly normal, straightforward story, you know, from, from that point. This week, we kind of go off in another direction with a really surprising um, appearance of the writer slash creator, Archie Goodwin, and a much different art style um, with uh, Keith Giffen. Um, if... I, I, I would say I've heard criticisms of the new universe as having um, a house style, you know, it's a little um, tilted towards uh, straightforward realism. It's not very flashy and it doesn't have a lot of um, artists with a very characteristic style. I think uh, like um, Todd McFarlane kind of stuck out a bit Um with his a little more cartoonish qualities um, in Spitfire number four. But most of the uh, books we've looked at so far are pretty um, straight up um, art style, you know, very clear, easy to read. This is um, uh, work by Keith Giffen in kind of his second period. He, um, um, Keith had started at DC or Marvel, maybe Marvel, with a sort of a Jim Starlin, George Perez, very clean style. And at some point in the early 80s, he got influenced by a South American artist, I think Jose Munoz, Munoz, um, into this very expressionistic style that's very heavy on blacks and really interesting um, sort of camera point of view um, angles, um, and it's uh, it's a much different style from um, either Marvel or DC house style. Um, and I was really into it at the time. Looking back on it, I am still really into it. So <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I mean this. You know, he this was probably one of my first exposures to it. Um, there was a couple of uh, miniseries. He really stuck with DC mostly over the years. Um, a couple of years after this, he's doing breakdowns for the relaunch Justice League. Um, he did that a lot for a lot of titles. So he's kind of writer, breakdown artist for people who are better with finishes than anyway. Where, where did I start with my essay on Keith Giffen? Um, <laughs> In chapter three, I think. It was like his second <laughs> period. And, you know, he started taking uh, some... The late blue period, yeah. yeah. 
influenced by. Anyway, <laughs> so much different style than what we've seen in a lot of new universe. Uh, I really like it, um, but it's a little hard to uh, jump right into. Um, the uh, book starts, uh, cover is um, Justice, uh, the character from his own book, holding the scales of justice and weighing night mask in the balance. Um, it's a nice graphic though. So opening it up, um, we jump right into uh, not a splash page, but um, that's a lot of tight panels. I think Giffen is mostly using a nine panel grid here in the whole book. And so uh, even when panels get put together, it'll sort of fit that um, layout. So here we have uh, a lot of small panels uh, up at the top and a, a wide center panel um, with a close-up of Justice's face. And the story starts with Justice going through the back streets of Georgetown, which I don't think are really that dingy. But he's looking for the ballad clinic. And it's being narrated by, as we later see, Nightmask himself. He's coming, moving with the storm. I can feel it, almost see it. And Justice's blobs of black, you know, and this grotty looking um, uh, environment. Um, he comes in and he's looking for a particular street, my street. He calls himself Justice. They don't use his logo there. Kind of a missed opportunity, if you ask me. His mission, his purpose is to destroy evil, to punish the guilty. You see the sort of storm clouds and stuff around as well. Now you he's know, make up. the lightning sound effects or something. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> All right, now that was pretty sad, so I, mean, I won't do that. Uh, you just, I just need like a button I can press. But okay. Now he's coming to my street, to the place I work and live. Again, nine panel grid everywhere. <clears throat> On the next page, uh, and nothing will stand in his way. So um, Justice shows up at the clinic and he's looking around and everyone is gone, except... Her friend Lita is down in the workout room, basement, um, the basement gym. Yes, and uh, he surprise Justice surprises her down there, and uh, oh, KNS, never mind. Whoever you are, the clinic's closed, amigo. Hey, entiende? You don't belong here. Yeah, so. Uh, Justice does not uh, take kindly to this. His eyes, they say he reads people with his eyes, judges them, and Lita, no. Yeah, Lita throws something at Justice, which he deflects with the shield. And then we have a nice shot of his eyes sort of smoldering. He'll have to see it's an innocent mistake. He realized she's good and don't know how you did that little trick, hombre. But the Mercado children weren't raised to scare easily or Shrek. 
Yeah, Leah is a smoking pile of ash there. Yeah. This uh, is the point in the story where I'm like, this better be a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you there. No, no, this is wrong. I've got to be imagining, not sensing, not feeling. So he's like, what if it's true? What, what if I'd done the right thing, getting Teddy and Lucian going somewhere else? Justice looks around and finds uh, like their receipt or something that they were headed to New York City. Uh, oh, on Amtrak. There's no way he can follow us. No, no. And we segue to Times Square. And this is the, finally the splash page on page four. Yeah, it's two thirds of the splash page. But it's a, a um, the big uh, panel is a crowd scene with uh, Teddy and Keith and Lucian Ballard, Ballard sort of in a, in a small corner of all these jostling crowds. And uh, the, there's a nice marquee on like a Times Square theater um, that's shouting out all the credits for the issue. It's a nice uh, touch. The story is called Transfer Point. And as I say, Keith Giffen, Archie Goodwin, Rick Bryant is the anchor. I, I imagine this is really difficult stuff to ink. Um, I, I like Mike Rockwitz as best boy. <laughs> I think he's assistant editor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hmm. So the story, uh, we get a little back to Keith in a sort of more normal uh, situation where he is arguing with Teddy and Dr. Ballad. And uh, he's saying it's that he had a hunch that something was bad was going to happen. So he had to bring, drag them all up there. And as they're sort of arguing about why they came and what they're doing, and uh, there's a, like a storm coming, I guess. He suddenly spots a weird guy. We'll call him a punk. He's, uh, he's just shouts, you, I know you. And he starts running and Keith chases after him and uh, no, no, you hear punk stop or I'll Keith, Keith, what's gotten into you? Um, Ballad is, is annoyed that Keith is like harassing strangers on the street and he starts laying into him and Keith is like, no, no, that skinhead did a little sleaze is the answer, Lucian. Somehow he brought all this down on us. I just know it. If I can catch him, I'll find out how why and uh, as they argue a bit more and there's more lightning going on outside suddenly there is justice you know me and you know why i've followed you the other two are like who what no no you couldn't have tracked us this far there can be no mistake i read i judge and uh we see from Justice's point of view that both Keith and Ballad are uh, green auras. It's been uh, a while what, since we've had uh, the auras. On yeah, the, on yeah. The panel, nice uh, book. Nice callback there. Do you green remember what bad. green was? Green is bad. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Justice is. I read and I judge where there is good. I have my left hand as shield, and where there is evil. I have the burning sword that is my right hand to bring justice. Yeah, Lucian's dead at that point. <laughs> sword. 
Uh, Teddy is uh, freaked out, of course. Keith, why is he looking at me? <laughs> Those who live beside evil must sooner or later be tainted by it. This is an ex- sort of an explosion. I, it looks like maybe he hit the wheelchair with the sword. Keith has grabbed Teddy and is running down the stairs. Um, it's like, I won't let this happen to you. If I can get us down to the subway. It's more sword shots like over his head there. Um, let's see. And they get in there and he's like, I don't know what's going on, but once I get down here, I'm going to find out there's a, a train comes a subway and there's this huge crowd of people coming off of it. Stop shoving us, please give us a chance. Come on. It's, and suddenly Teddy is being carried away in the crowd. They're dragging me with them. Keith, Teddy, Teddy. You don't, where do you carry my sister? And he spots the punk guy. You. So he starts shaking this guy down. Oh, there's a nice ad for thrashing. The movie. That <laughs> video cassette. I can point out a weird detail that I'm noticing as you're going through is uh, at least twice now, the street graffiti, like, and you can see it on page eight on the train on the top right, that it says Little Boo Boo. Mm, interesting. But that, that's shown up at least twice. I'll Little keep my Boo Boo? Yeah. Yeah, top of nine, you can, I can imagine, like, the top left, that's also uh, part yeah. of Little Boo Boo. Interesting. Or what's up with that? <laughs> don't know, yeah. I always think of Giffen's backgrounds as being very expressionistic too. I mean, I, I never like laid down a grid and tried to figure out if there's an actual perspective point or he just sort of gives you the illusion of perspective. But anyway. um, Yeah, there's definitely a couple of like repeating graffitis. Interesting. That can also be letterer. Um, there's like an R3 thing that shows up a couple times too. Augustin Moss. Hmm. Okay. Well, as he's uh, trying to shake this punk down again, talk, my sister's vanished, maybe swept onto another train. Uh, talk. Uh, oh, there's justice. The time for talking is past. People start running out of his way, which is probably a good idea, honestly. Um, the punk sort of uh, shoves him and runs off. And he tries to catch him on that train, but is not having any luck. Lost him again. But he's got people between him and Justice, so he's like thinks he won't get killed immediately. Um, so the train i think leaves and he jumps onto the track and he's talking to himself you know it's moving too fast like a bad dream but if this were a dream i could manifest the night mask it's like moon scar starts to glow and uh imagine it covering me protecting me giving me that psychological edge and there he is he's in the night mask could this be a dream well, he can't magically turn into Night Mask in real life. Oh, can't he? Oh, <laughs> can't. 
Um, take this for the regular Marvel universe where you can. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he's incredible. I did it. I'm awake, but I made myself become night mask anyway. Anyway, so he he's right, right following this train, and we see Justice on the platform, and sort of eyes are smoldering again. And Keith is talking about the curse, the Keith Remsen curse. Maybe I am evil. Maybe that's the only reason Justice is back there. Let's see. Parents and Teddy are all, have all suffered and he's gotten away with everything. Anyway, the, uh, he makes his way through some sort of underground caverns that become more and more subterranean, like a cave. Um, possibly post-apocalyptic and he uh, is like ah must be some kind of abandoned work tunnels maybe keeps going down Uh, bones I don't know animal human some suddenly he gets like justice shows up again Um, how You, you couldn't track me down here no way you only think you lose me. Your guilt is always with you and always betrays you. You self-righteous monster. Okay, so I'll stop doing that. <laughs> uh, it sounds like the, the teenager on The Simpsons. <laughs> My God. Well, he, he gets uh, just a, gets a couple more shots off um, and Keith keeps fleeing into the tunnels in his night mask costume. He gets down, he sees the punk again. Now we settled as punk. No, he's your problem, hero. Lay off me. Um, and the guy disappears on him. Hmm, like a dream. Why didn't I see it before? The business with the night mask, the crazy underworld maze. It is a dream. Now it's time to find out who's. Who's. Hmm. Is it Justice's dream? That would be cool, wouldn't it? I dream of killing you all. <laughs> that is kind of the justice I've grown to know and love. Yeah. So Keith uh, busts into a uh, room that's um, got inhabitants. Hey, what are you? He isn't one of us. He's not one of us at all. Wrong station, Sonny. Uh, it's like um, some derelicts uh, homeless underground people. underground dream hobo society chuds maybe cannibalistic hun- humanoid underground dwellers <laughs> we're all mat- wanderers in search of rest you won't find the one you're chasing here keith my name okay um <laughs> you know my name despite the night mask outfit who are you two so these two that are trying to help him He's confused by, but they seem uh, positive, and they're telling him that uh, he has to go to the junction, which is the hub of all the activity down here. Ooh, their voices were so sad and so urgent. So it isn't working like any other dream I've been in. He uh, continues down and has another close encounter with Justice. This time, he hold, he sort of goes inside. I stay inside his arm so he can't bring that blast to bear. He's too big, too strong for me to take. But if I can keep him off balance, 
and then the floor gives way and he's falling. Another level, too many levels in this place. So he feels like he's too deep in the dream and he calls to Teddy, who's his psychic anchor. But where's that psychic link? Get me out. Nothing. I must have come into this without Teddy. No anchor. I'm trapped. It's like, uh, don't panic. Don't panic. Uh, and then he sees sort of behind Justice's coat, um, Justice getting out of the water or whatever it is down there. And then there's a close-up of his eye. And what he's looking at is Justice is now just like got a skull for a face. Yeah. <laughs> that was some heavy metal eyes blazing kind of goodness there. <laughs> yeah, still smoking and ready to like use the sword on you. Ah. I love this characterization of justice as like just a walking nightmare of, you know, unrelenting, uh, whatever. Yeah. It's actually a lot closer to the, like the original kind of first issue, Archie Goodwin justice really though. Like he wasn't very talkative, you know, he was very matter of fact, you know, I think I compared him a lot to the Terminator then. And like, this is obviously even more extreme than that, but it's kind of, cool to kind of get back to that yeah back to his roots where it all started <laughs> yeah because i think like i got i had gotten used to like chatty justice and like his team of buddies hey arnie how do you do this yeah. right yeah like it, but it was jarring at first like at first i was like oh what okay huh <laughs> <clears throat> is mingling his aura with becky chambers and then he's just like a marshmallow honestly Hello, yeah. Mr. Justice. Settled down and got in a relationship. Yeah. Lost his edge. Do you have a boyfriend back home? Uh, or girlfriend back home? Uh, no, no. The queen and I are kind of on a break. I don't, uh, don't worry about it too much. Anyway, <laughs> we digress. Uh, we run back into the punk. Some hero. No running. No running away, hero. You got yourself into this. Last thing I need is, need is for you to get out. You? Why? It's your dream. Your nightmare. No, no. Somehow in trying to help, I got justice after me. When it should be you facing the truth. No. Anyway. So now Nightmask is mad at this punk. He wants to uh, justice him. Um but he, he has to follow him around through some walls, maybe, and all this other. Anyway, next thing you know, he's at the junction. And this is, if you can imagine a subway that twists into about three or four dimensions um, more than yeah, usual. That's a pretty good description of it. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, thing, but it's, an, it's a real nice kind of dream imagery slash dimensional uh, mess up um, the junction no matter how frightened and hostile the dreamer seemed this one uh, secret he let be revealed to me it's where everything in this crazy place comes together all the answers are here I just have to find them the right way to use them so that ending the dream doesn't finish me and the dreamer as well but where do I start Teddy oh hey Teddy how are you doing Teddy is there asleep 
and the two mysterious cloaked figures are there. Uh, you, that she's asleep, Teddy Keith, but deeply. That's why you can't reach her. Look, you two. Look, you helped me before. Uh, is there anything else? You're on the wrong track, Keith. Watch the trains. There are connections to be made here. The junction is a major transfer point. Huh? <laughs> Just move on, Keith. We're running out of train-related metaphors to, uh, to give you. <laughs> Page 19, Keith. Could we just, just keep moving here? So transfer point. The train halts and its doors hiss open and I begin to see. Keith uh, starts to get memories of himself and this other person. But uh, this car carries the past where a drug dealer dies in a New York park, an act of justice. And yeah, See justice number one. I looked back at this. Yeah. So you remember there, justice first kills the punks in the tenement where he appears. And then yep. he's walking across the park and there's a guy with a girl who, um, who sort of fakes him out and has like a big friend who threatens him. Um, yeah. There was a, um, so that guy, I guess, getting killed was what someone else saw. It traumatically witnessed by the dealer's sometimes helper and younger brother. And you see this punk that Keith has been chasing through his dream, sort of standing behind a tree and watching justice uh, vaporize his brother, he says. So the uh, so then he sees a different past and they're in a hospital in DC where Keith and Dr. Ballard live, and he's talking to Ballard, uh, who's brought him this guy, this younger brother, as a patient to D.C. Uh, well, no, he, he had fled um, from New York to D.C., and the police picked him up, and then he just went catatonic, and they're like, had apparently gotten Keith's help to try to wake him up. Um, so, but this kid had been hiding in the subways for months, uh, afraid and freaked out, which eh, you can kind of imagine pretty easily, I suppose. Oh, but uh, Keith is like, uh, my, realizes that he had started trying to get into this kid's dreams to help him. And now he thinks, well, that's the answer. He's, I mean, stuck in his dream and he's got to pay. You did this to me. I helped unlock your fear and you did this. Um, they're fighting and they're falling. And he's still blaming this guy. And he's like, yeah, you, your fear of justice was transferred to me. Take it back. And the guy tells him, I can't even if I want to. Whatever it is about justice that haunts you, I can't help. The dream's almost over. And it ain't mine. It's yours. Ooh. <laughs> So he's like, okay, he's got one uh, thing left coming at him. And he's uh, first, it looks like the subway is coming, uh, like just the two lights down the hall. But then he sees um, the cloaked homeless figures coming from another angle behind him. And they say, uh, you know, you know why you're facing it? Think. And their hoods are dropped, and your 
And they continue, you want to be punished because you still feel guilty. Guilty that you've survived when we didn't. It is his parents. Ouch. Mom, dad, it's true. I thought I dealt with it, but it keeps coming back. Like, like justice. I was thinking that the like dark, the two lights at the end of the dark train tunnel was going to be like the roadrunner with the little cart. <laughs> you know, sometimes they'd fool the coyote, but I guess a giant, terrifying looking justice head works too. I guess at first I thought the two lights were the were were the parents. Like at first you thought it was their the eyes, but then it's like, oh, it's these other people. But no, justice is there, and he's giant and terrifying. And um, as he's attacking Keith, his parents tell him, "Yeah, it's not just the sun. It can still punish and consume you, but only if you let it." Keith gets. Their voice gives him a power that he's never had, a power that lasts until all else shatters. Then I'm awake, awake and alive. My heart slows its pounding. I rise. His color is all blue again. Room by room, I check the house. Everything is safe. Everyone is well. That better include Lita, buddy. (laughs) Does she sleep with them? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. So um, Teddy's okay. And then I notice a photograph she keeps near her bed. It reminds me of one I have buried, kept somehow buried at the bottom of a drawer. Somehow until now. He takes out a, a photo, I guess, of his parents. Love, mom and dad. Yeah. And uh, so he puts it next to his bed and he's second to the last panel falling asleep to that and the last panel is actually the blur the pitch for next week or next month next we delve deeper into the psyche of keith remsen in a story called tell me who do you love Mm. we get lady midnight back (laughs) Better be like another round of Lita Mercado, but cool this time instead of whatever <laughs> they were doing last time. It's like uh, they just knew 35, 36 years later, they would just keep harassing us. You know, we got her uh, <laughs> her issue was all about her and her parents. And then she was just kind of like weak background character in it instead of the tough character we know. And then shows up here getting vaporized in a dream. Come on, man. I think she's vaporized, but you know, she's still in character, I would say. Like, yeah, she's kind she of like comes at him with the belligerent, you know, the bar for the weightlifting thing, <laughs> yeah. right? So, it's just better than uh, anybody else did, really, until the end where Nightmask had his super magical hand beam and uh, vaporized dream justice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean. It's interesting because Archie Goodwin created both Nightmask and Justice. So truly, if anyone would put them together, it should be him. And how he does it in this case is quite interesting. You don't really see real justice. You've got this sort of image of justice from someone who witnessed one of his judgings. And, you know, 
terrified out of their mind. And then this is transferred to Keith. So um, now he knows justice is a real. Actually, does he? I don't know. Yeah, you may just think this is all just um, exaggerated by the guy, but um, I guess. I mean, when he was in the junction and kind of like looking into memories and such, and you know, then he he kind of got to see his real memories, and then presumably the the memories of the guy as well. So. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not followed up on, but yeah, all in all, it was a, I think it was a much more clever way than like a typical night mask cameo, I would imagine, you know, like the, the obvious thing to do would be to have night masks show up in some character's dream, right? Right, rather than have, you know, a dreamed up version of justice show up in a street punk who's kind of related to issue one and like that was much more clever i, I like that quite a bit all right <clears throat> yeah it's uh they don't team up and uh fight drug gangs but yeah still yeah and the whole issue was within a dream world so that kind of works out nicely for the you know, the art style you were talking about too and just kind of having everything kind of dark and moody and you know Right, right. A lot different than the, you know, the classic uh, new universe look, I guess. You know, they, they showed some, I think when they were trying to trick you into thinking it was the regular world, you know, things were a little bright and colorful, some of the characters, until they started going down into the depths of the subway and such. But um, yeah, yeah the coloring well. is also very controlled, interesting. The, the, it starts off with sort of blue, fairly normal when they're, um, up on top, even if there's like a storm coming. So it's like, there's a reason everything's dark. There's a storm coming, but yeah, once it gets down, then it kind of like, there's a lot of blues and grays again with just like flashes of red. It's uh, so yeah. Transfer. What was it called? Transfer point. The uh, transfer was the guilt he's transferring or something. I guess, you know, I was trying to like, you know, is there some deeper thing I'm supposed to be catching about the junction either, but maybe it's not really, I don't know, just kind of like a cool visual and where all the answers were or something. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, we've seen certainly people, artists attempt to, to put a, you know, show you a dream world and it's, usually pretty um, straightforward even when they they they're a little imaginative but uh, I don't know I always kind of like think back to like uh, Steve Ditko being a very realistic artist but also doing uh, Dr. Strange and the sort of other dimensions that he would go into or something Kirby of course had a lot of crazy stuff with the Fantastic Four and other dimensions as well but the um, sorry the uh, so it's it's a thing that came up a lot in the old Marvel universe to you know how do you show something really different and, um, the new universe obviously we focus on this world but um, this is a great way to do it I guess to really still be imaginative and show that you can have a different art style have a very uh, 
I don't know, idios like real like inside someone's head kind of uh, way of looking at things. So yeah, um, at this point in comics history, does Marvel still pretty much have their house style? I mean, like you do. look at like the a lot of the uh, Avengery titles, you know, Captain America and Iron Man, and um, you know, they they don't really um, have a, a like a real uh, house style, but there's a certain uh, I don't know. They definitely don't flex and get kind of weird and creative as much as modern books right you see like you kind of open it up and frank miller or something yeah we're talking over each other sorry Sorry. (laughs) but yeah i was just thinking like let's just keep doing that (laughs) i will let you finish your thought i don't even remember what it was anymore (laughs) yeah i've talked about frank miller a million times everyone has i don't know what am i saying it's it's, (laughs) no um yeah but anyway it's it's our first real book that has a different style for sure so that's kind of fun and it fits i guess um the characters are a little distorted looking a little bit even you know, before you're supposed to know that it's a dream. Um, but, but yeah, it all works really well. It's just like, it's, it's a nice mashup. Uh, this was the first one, I think, when we recorded the last episode and we read through the solicits for it. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to check that out. And I just picked it up and read it the same day just because I was excited about it. So uh, it was yeah. definitely dreamy and a little confusing. Uh, especially as my brain may have been addled by unspecified virus. But uh, yeah, it, was, it lived up to expectations. You know? So before the new universe, I don't think I even knew really who Archie Goodwin was, but uh, at this point I, I look forward to anything he's written. Well said. Um, let me see. As far as grades, I, I will go ahead and say it, it's an A for me. I'm such a fan of the art style, even if uh, the story is a little, it's a little hard to follow sometimes, but I think it hangs together well and it's a great uh, sort of um, encapsulation of two characters by the creator of both. Um, really enjoy. And probably, yeah, this was one of the things that I still remembered from all those years ago, seeing, reading these, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm yeah. sure I haven't read it in, you know, decades, but like mm, something cool, Keith Giffen, something, something. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give this one an A too. Writing is good. The art's good. doesn't really move along the story at all, but if we're going to get an interlude and a different writer or something like that thrown in, like, then, you know, if you can make it a really cool issue like this, then no complaint for me. It's not really a fill-in if it's from the creator of the concept, right? That would be great if, like, yeah, creators had, like, awesome fill-ins that, like, really get inside the character's uh, head. Yeah. Usually, no. Not not the easiest thing to do, I suppose, no. (laughs) Not at all. We'll take it. It's a victory. All right. Let's see. Shall we take a break? Come back?
Let's take a Cyforce break and come back with some Cyforce. Welcome back. We've got Cyforce issue number eight. Eight issues in. Still not calling them Cyforce in the comic. Not a word about like a code name or a team name. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think I'm going to be a little sad if they actually become the Cyforce and start, you know, being like a hero team or something. So. I'm good with them being a bunch of sad, angry orphans all constantly getting into trouble <laughs> as far as that goes. I can live with that. Um, but yeah, Cyforce 8, uh, cover date June 87, actual date February 24th. All right, so we are in the Februarys. Um, and it's there's definitely some action going on in this book. So uh, the title on the cover is The Cyhawk Screams. Ah! <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were actually going to do that, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we had been promised Alcatraz. And in the cover, we've got the, the teens in the back looking like they're summoning Cyhawk uh, in front of all these prison bars. And uh the stalker, Thomas Boyd, is kind of diving through Cyhawk, and that's perhaps why he's screaming. So, well, definitely why he's screaming, but we'll learn more about that as we go. Um, lots and lots of action in this one. So, uh, Cyforce, open it up to the splash page, uh, created by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. I like that we're not forgetting all the creators and these kinds of things. It's a nice reminder that... You know, we call it Jim Shooter's new universe. So perhaps it's more almost more Archie Goodwin's new universe. With a little yeah. touch of the Simonson. Yeah. I, I mean, if if uh, if someone had just given Archie Goodwin, hey, go make um, four to six titles, whatever you want to do. Wonder if this is really like what he would have uh, come out with. Um, if he was expecting to edit himself, himself all the way. Yeah. I imagine they would have not, they would not have had the grounded kind of in our world twist. They probably would have been side for us at this point, you know, like in costumes and stuff like that, if I had to guess. Um, but who knows? Speculation. Um, but yeah, so we open up not with the teens that we're used to, but uh, the jerky team who, made his way into the sanctuary and almost took out the whole team until Stasi used her healing powers to reverse Thomas Boyd's energy stealing powers. Uh, yeah. The stalker is in a street fight in San Francisco, uh, basically just mocking and beating up random people, goons, not really sure what, how, how he picked this fight. Um, but yeah, so the stalker is confident and cocky, and with good reason. He's smart, strong, well-trained in the martial arts, and he's got an extra edge as well, a devastating paranormal power. Uh, so yeah, he's pretty strong. He, he made short work of Cyforce 
um, mostly by catching them by surprise, but really all he needs to do is touch someone and he can drain their energy all the way down to making them incapacitated and unconscious. Um, but yeah, so as it turns out, he's just fighting because he feels like it. So he's fighting off goons, you know, grabbing the guy on the shoulders you know, he gets pinned from behind, but you know, of course they don't know that he has this energy stealing power. Um, even one of the goons even says, you think you're real smart with those high power batteries hooked up to your hands, don't you? So like he's, he has no clue what he's fighting against and thinking that he was getting sort of zapped uh, where his friends are. Come here, Eddie yeah. Giotti. Let's uh, see if these strong arms can really take us on. Nice. Giotti versus the stalker would be kind of a fun one. <laughs> if Giotti's alive, <laughs> he probably isn't. So who knows? Uh, yeah, finally the last guy kind of comes at him with a baseball bat. And, you know, so Thomas Stalker is, you know, pretty impressive. So you just take on multiple attackers, use his power um, just a little bit to kind of weaken somebody before taking him out with a punch. Uh, and then he kind of walks off. You know, I guess it's the 80s. We don't call the cops for this kind of stuff. Um, to a, a mysteriously shaded man in a funky looking 80s sports car. So, yeah, the um, like workout routine or something. I don't know. But yeah, it definitely, unlike any of our protagonists in this book or most, maybe not justice, but. You, you do see that like Thomas has been training, like definitely using his powers and combat both and sort of using them both together in a real synergistic way that, uh, you know, all of our protagonists basically are just randomly trying their powers when like, situations arise. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Someone's really taking the uh, initiative here. Yeah, so, he, so he's really gotten an edge uh, compared to everyone else. Um, and so, so the guy in the car we had, you know, seen in shadowy form before, uh, and he had outed himself as the one who leaked the list. So uh, they had this government list of kids with psychic abilities, you know, presumably all people who were uh, kind of powered up by the white event. And he kind of leaked Proudhawk's list uh, but um, had himself rescued Thomas kind of before then or, or at that point to use as his, you know, kind of assassin tool kind of thing. So uh, he's got bad, uh, only bad things in mind for Cy Forrest and any other surviving uh, psychic teens, uh, which we're not sure if there are any others at this point. Uh, but yeah, so, so he's driving in this car uh, can't believe you bought it for me. As I've told you, stalker, stick with me and I'll see you're treated right. Oh, yeah. Kind of creepy, but okay. Um, so, yeah, Thomas, stalker, you know, kind of recaps the, the fight of the teens before. He said, you know, he was, he was humiliated, but thankfully they only trust him up in cheap rope and he was able to get out um, and kind of wander his way back to the office of the mysterious guy to kind of get rescued. Um, but he's still a teenager. He's excited by the car. Uh, they drive him to the top of a steep winding road on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean stands Lori's, the Bay Area's hottest night spot. 
I, I didn't like look to see if this was a real thing. I kind of, it seemed so outlandish. I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I just have to kind of assume it isn't, but it is kind of neat. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's kind of an important moment here as, you know, the, the guy's just trying to impress Stalker and you know, give him all these nice things. And he says, here, $300 ought to be enough for you to have a reasonably good time. Of course, yeah, this is the 80s, so inflation, 300 is pretty good. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Things will soon become serious enough when you take on Proud Hawk's group again and have your revenge on those freaks of nature. Freaks? Freaks. <laughs> Sir, I'm as much a freak as they are, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, don't be so oversensitive to everything a person says, Stock or uh, Thomas. <laughs> You're no freak. <laughs> You're on the right side, my side. <laughs> and uh, luckily for mysterious shadow dude, uh, he's interrupted by Tina. Uh, oh, hello. You must be Thomas. Prostitute? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's what I wrote. I know, like, a shorter version of it in my notes, but yeah. Maybe some sort of high-class version of lady who was probably hired to make, to have Thomas have a fun time. Perhaps Ready not. for a big night, Thomas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so, this is... We were saying teen before. I, I don't know. I get this feeling Thomas is more like college age because like going out to a nightclub and having some high class uh, uh, female companion seems a little older than like the Cyforce, which seemed like more high school age. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't recall if we got Thomas's age. It might have been in his introduction. Uh, yeah, he, he does seem to skew at least a little bit older. I think the yeah the boss uh, Thomas's boss mystery guy, um, yeah it doesn't feel I guessed before it was like Skipper or uh, CIA guy leader or something and it, I'm less uh, like his dialogue and like talking about the list and things it seems less likely that those are the case so I don't know why they're keeping him a mystery yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would presume because there's something about him to reveal, right? But if it's not a character that we know already, then what's his face going to show us? So he's definitely not the skipper, though. <laughs> that would just be bad. Colby? She's Colby. <laughs> She's supposed to be ex-CIA. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good thing in comics is when they don't have, like, you have word balloons, but you don't have voices attached. So they will sometimes come out with like, I was a teenage girl all the time. You just didn't, you just assumed that. You know. <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> just going to, going to assume that there. Um, so, Hey, then yeah. Title page. <laughs> so we got an opening splash page. They had our creators, but it didn't say who the, uh, team was in this book so as we get to actual our cyforce group then apparently it's not called the cyhawk screams it's called trapped which i guess is pretty literal if it's a fighting in a prison issue um, so danny fingeroth writer mark texiera artist 
Um, so we're kind of back to that more regular team we've had uh, a couple times at least here. So, Cyforce Classic, the Golden Age. Yeah, and so the but the whole group is standing on a boat, looking miserable and angry, surrounded by guards with machine guns pointing at them. So, wait a minute, is Alcatraz still running at this point? I thought it was just a tourist attraction. What? <laughs> but but it is just a tourist attraction. Apparently, they just gave the tour guides machine guns. Uh, <laughs> just to sell the look and apparently the tour guides are ex-guards too so they really you know went all out for this boat tour <laughs> yeah yeah um i gotta admit uh alcatraz as like a housing point for paranormals or something would be like i can imagine like a couple ways of using this more than like as a tourist trap so and- yeah Except if there's already like people going there, but it would be hard to like turn it into a secret uh, base or a place to experiment on people or something. It could be could be problematic. <laughs> but anyway, so so it turns out the kids are back at the sanctuary. So they they had said last time they were going to head back, and uh, supposedly they did. And it seems like a little bit of time has passed. They've been kind of bored and cooped up and. Colby has still been harassing them about using their powers and dangers and yada, yada, yada. Um, but gave them tickets to go on the Alcatraz tour. So some are kind of happy. Wayne is, of course, miserable. Uh, Tom uh, Crawley is, of, is of course, uh, seasick and dizzy. And Kathy would rather be window shopping. And so it's, it's our crew. Hey, I remember them. <laughs> I like the the each one has like very individual uh, characteristic response to this uh, adventure. Yeah, we're gonna get to see where Clayton Eastwood did his thing and escape from Alcatraz. This is great. <laughs> so yeah, the happy kids are kind of happy, and the cranky kids are kind of cranky. All is all is well, except well. Oh shoot! It looks like Thomas Boyd Stalker is on the boat with them, with a the little walkie-talkie communicating with Shadow Dude. Um, and it sounds like he's been tailing them and kind of learning about them uh, for a while. So he's been kind of stalking them, getting ready to capture them again. Um, <clears throat> his, his code name's making sense now. It is, yes. Um, and the <clears throat> the shadowy guys, you know, kind of just all right, very good reporting if anything happens, but then. Um, he gives some back background in his kind of thoughts, but then also, you know, their continued existence represents a danger to me I can no longer tolerate. So when the time comes, Stalker will strike at them again, saving whichever ones can be used as pawns or sold and destroying the rest. So kidnap or kill is what we're dealing with here. Uh, so not so good. <laughs> hmm. So, you know, the, the, the kids make it to Alcatraz. There's a big tour group, a whole bunch of people getting off the boat and the guide kind of leading them around, shows them Al Capone's old cell, takes them up on the guard turret. Um, you know, the kids are kind of talking and whispering to each other. And, you know, again, you know, nothing hugely new. Uh, I guess fills in some background that, you know, that they are in fact back at the sanctuary. Um, Wayne is still kind of miserable that he's trapped by the Psyhawk in, in previous issues. 
you know, he, he was the first one to try and escape and kind of leave everybody. Uh, but the psychic Cyhawk literally took him over and forced him to go back, uh, uh, which worked out because he, he saved the day. But uh, it's hard to feel like you're in control of your life a whole a whole lot here. Um, but yeah, the, the tour rumbles on. And as the guide's going along, uh, interesting moment happens where there's, there's a kid who's up on his dad's back and he kind of grabs Thomas Boyd's hat. And so he's like, hey, give it back. And you know, so that was his one piece of <laughs> disguise, apparently. Um, that was it. The hat? It looks like Merck's hat. It does, but it's blue. It's different. <laughs> it was like we'll call it a new universe hat. It's that sort of uh, page boy. Yeah, that kind of like newsboy cappy something or other. They have a name. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> Not quite the Kangol '90s Samuel L. Jackson thing, but it's similar. Uh, but uh, it makes enough of a scene where you know. Tyrone kind of tur- turns and looks and recognizes him right away. I'm like, okay, you, yeah, me. <laughs> um, so Stalker is pretty well prepared though. So, so he shoves another tourist into Tyrone and then gra- jumps immediately for Wayne, uh, which is the smart play because he could pretty quickly just take over your brain and make you walk off a bridge, right? So, uh, so he kind of dives at him Um Wayne does manage to throw him off, but he'd stolen enough power that Wayne is kind of weakened and groggy, uh, not really able to kind of fight back too well. Uh, so, so yeah, the, we're, we're jumping into battle here. Um, Michael blows up something <laughs> nearby. Uh, I think he's probably still wary of using his explosive powers on a person, <laughs> which he almost did in a previous issue. Let's be glad for that. Um, Right. No exploding bowels or anything like that. And uh, Stasi goes in for the grab um, because we know that basically instantly neutralized Thomas. Uh, But he's again, kind of ready for him. So he kind of dodges back. Um, She's trying to to talk to him, kind of reason with him. You know, I sense you're a good person. Of course, that's what Anastasia would do. Uh, she's always nice to a fault. Um, so he gives a little bit of his, his his backstory to them. You know, I know Proud Hawk made you his dupes like he wanted to do to me and everyone on the list, but he didn't get me. I have an ally who saved me from Proud Hawk, a guy who's looking out for me. You five, you're nothing but a bunch of brainwashed zombies. Hmm. Interesting. He doesn't know about the Cyhawk, so <laughs> that might kind of hit home. Them not brainwashed zombies we're con- psychically controlled zombies <laughs> we're psychically controlled orphans we've never had anything go well for us <laughs> that's getting out of scrapes um so so yeah they're, they're kind of arguing maybe your savior is the one who's lying maybe his his motives should be questioned um but now you know basically smacks her in the face and knocks her on the ground unconscious. Um, And so one kid down. So uh, Wayne's kind of weakened and Anastasia is, you know, knocked out cold. Um, But uh, we have a little surprise. So they're all kind of standing, facing off, helping Anastasia. There's 
uh, tourists and guards all around, you know, not knowing what the heck's going on. Um, and Wayne says, things are getting out of hand. Can't take any chances. Guys, over here. And he holds up the Cyhawk medallion, which we haven't yeah. seen in a long time. We thought it, they, they left it in that park or something. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen on panel, I think they did, but I guess not. Or maybe it, you know, it's the kind of thing where it shows up in your pocket the next day. And you're like, how did this get here? <laughs> Cyhawk made them kind of dream walk over there and get it back. And like, uh, uh, all this dirt under my fingernails. It's like, <laughs> can't get rid of it. <laughs> hmm. All right. But anyway, the Cyhawk screams back to life, grasping the piece of metal Wayne Kathy, Michael, and Tyrone concentrate on the memory of their deceased mentor. Instantly, something within each one is released, comes together, and merges, and the Cyhawk lives again. <laughs> what in blazes is that? <laughs> Which, is, of course, is going to freak everybody out, right? Because what giant, super-powered Native American guy with a hawk headdress and wings coming out, and he's flying, and the kids look like they're on fire, and like, okay, that's pretty impressive. Wow, the Alcatraz tour is a lot more exciting than I remember. <laughs> Quite a show. That totally seems like something that would be right. Like all the people are thinking it is staged. <laughs> is, is this yeah, a demonstration by some Native American political group that I don't know about? At least he's not naked. Uh, but so the Cyhawk basically uh, uses Kathy's powers to telekinetically move everyone into a prison cell and close the doors to get them out of the way. Uh, so, he, so he has sort of enhanced versions of all of their powers, uh, but importantly, all of their powers that are, you know, there, right? So um, it kind of flies after... Uh, Thomas, but he's again, he's, he's pretty confident. What am I thinking? Why, why am I panicking? Like, what if I turn the table? So he tries to jump at Cyhawk as Cyhawk's kind of chasing him down. Um, Cyhawk uses Tyrone's astral projection to make himself intangible, right? So he has got a way more useful uh, way to use that than Tyrone does. Uh, but as Thomas flies through the Cyhawk, then the energy psychic energy stealing power activates, even even though he's intangible. So basically, uh, blasts his way through the Cyhawk, and that's our uh, that's our image from the cover, I suppose here. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so the kids are arguing. So another important detail, I think this is one of the first times we've seen the kids kind of awake and active while the Cyhawk also is. Again, we haven't really had a lot of page time for Cyhawk, uh, but yeah, they're they're up, uh, all except for Wayne, you know, which is a problem because then the Cyhawk doesn't really have a strong version of Wayne's powers to work with, so he can't use the psychic ability and he can't use Stasi's ability, so he's missing those two things that could really shut uh, Boyd down uh, pretty well. Um, so, again, mid we're we're mid battle here. Uh, Michael Crawley blows up a chunk of the ceiling, which is perhaps not the best plan uh, to try and, you know, clobber Thomas with chunks and rocks and such, you know, destroying a historic site. Come on, man. Um, but it kind of backfires and, and causes problems for everybody. 
Uh, Kathy gets knocked in the head. Uh, Cyhawk uses Kathy's powers to kind of sweep the debris away and kind of keep them safe, but that leaves an opening for Thomas to grab Cyhawk from the from behind and drain him of his power until he basically disappears. Uh, so, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Even the, you know, forming Voltron didn't save the day in this case, which is unusual. What? What the heck's going on here? <laughs> Thomas Boyd Stalker is maybe a bit overpowered. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. And seconds later, I beat him, made him fade away into mist. And the kids, they've all passed out. I've won. So there must have been some sort of feedback there where I kind of uh, wrecked the kids as well. Um, so he's done. He's got his hat back, standing triumphant. Uh, he reports in with shadowy guy. Uh, they're all still alive. You defeated them? That's wonderful, stalker. Is it feasible to wait there with them? <laughs> So, so he has him wait at Alcatraz. <laughs> I, I like there's a there's sort of a panel spent on the shadowy guy kind of calling the Alcatraz tour to find <laughs> out if there's another one. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> it's just like, like no, the last one's out. There's like a super ch- cheery receptionist and one of the like the dour guards that was taking them to Alcatraz, like just standing next to her. Yeah. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so we perhaps hit the low point in the conflict then, right? So it'll be dark, and so the shadowy figure is going to send some sort of help uh, to kind of clean things up. Uh, Thomas is smart and effective. He drains the energy of uh, the team, or basically the ones that he's worried about. Um, so they won't no wake cheap up. rope for him. Yeah, no. No, he doesn't actually even tie any of them up, but I suppose he didn't bring any. Um, so he's just there with Tyrone, who he's not afraid of. He's, you're no threat, Jessup, with your stupid ghost power. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, ouch, right? You know, yeah, that big fight, and then this is what really hurts. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even worry about him. Um, and he can't touch... Anastasia, so you're not taking any chances with her. This blade will do better than either uh, against either of you than any paranormal power. Uh, so he's got a knife. He's better at martial arts. He's not really worried about them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, another kind of important scene here uh, as as they talk. So, Stasia, of course, is you know going to try and reason with him. You know, Proudhawk was trying to protect us and you from people like whoever is pulling your strings. You're being used to do your boss's dirty work. And when he has no more use for you, he'll kill you. I mean, she doesn't really know that, but it does fit. So lucky for her. Uh, you're <laughs> lying. Not that I'd expect any different from brainwashed saps like you. Um, but yeah, so Tyrone goes at him too, and you know, like slaves in the old South who tried to get the best jobs working in the master's house instead of the fields. In the end, they were slaves, still dispensable. Ouch, the <laughs> slave Stasi's... talk from you, Tyrone. I, I gotta admit, like I, I saw that panel and I knew what, what Stasi was saying in the very next panel. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I could write that one for you. During World War II, there were Jews who thought they collaborated with the Nazis. They would be spared, but they were betrayed. 
as you will be. <laughs> so it didn't quite work. Um, there's a little scene where he sort of accidentally cuts his finger with his knife, um, which seems like it should mean something, but I don't think it does. <clears throat> I didn't. Yeah, it didn't mean anything to me. Maybe he's showing that he's thinking or distracted or I don't know. But anyway, Goon Squad comes in. Uh, they all got sunglasses. They all got coordinated outfits. So, you know. But again, it's just names. Charlie, yeah. Jack, Laszlo. Laszlo. Laszlo is always going to be a problem. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they're like, all right, meet us downstairs. We got work to do. Okay, Tyrone, they've got machine guns. Look, this is what your benevolent friend will do to you if he ever decides you're a threat. And so they got Thomas thinking here, you know, so it must be a mistake. I thought you'd only be killed if they couldn't be captured, but I captured them. There's no need. So he kind of calls his boss back. Um, this know. guy's like, ah, oh, another call from Stalker? What are you <laughs> So he had apparently tried to kind of keep it secret. Um, so like he wasn't supposed to necessarily know they were going to be executed. Um, says, sorry, unexpected events. Can't take any chances. Powers they have. They were too dangerous to me, to us, <laughs> to be allowed to live. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so that doesn't go over so well. Uh, Thomas is a smart guy, apparently. And so whether or not uh, he would... He should believe the people he's trying to capture. Uh, he ends up kind of uh, feeling for them. So, you know, he pretends to be leaving, kind of walks over. Um, the kids summon the Cyhawk without the medallion and only two of them. So maybe since he was already brought up, I'm not really sure. But he's basically only got Tyrone and Stasi's powers at this point. So it's not the most effective Cyhawk unless he wants to heal them to death. Um, <laughs> let, me just, let me just pass through this wall like I'm a ghost for a while. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah, keep watching. That Cyhawk still zipping around back there. Uh, so yeah, you know, they, they they of course see this giant thing flying around, so they're going to shoot at it. Um, but the interesting part is the Thomas grabs the medallion, right? So he says, can't, he's kind of got it figured out. Like, so it can't be too strong with only the two of them. You know, you know they're going to get killed unless something happens here. Boss called, called them freaks. Well, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely done with the boss at this point. And he basically adds his power to the Cyhawk, which we didn't know he could do. And it was worth a shot, but he did. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> right. So, so finally, the Cyhawk has a useful combat power. Um, so he's, he can bullets pass through him. Doesn't need to heal anybody. Um, but, you know, it kicks these guys, uses Thomas's power, uh, leeching the energy. Consciousness is gone. You know, so Cyhawk saves the day because Thomas gave them his power. So he saved them, which is pretty wild. <laughs> What? It's a big turnaround. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm as stunned as uh as Thomas is on the next page. 
What? My <laughs> power? What? You saved us, Thomas. But now what? <laughs> yes, now what? So Cyhawk is, is still Cyhawk. So he's kind of floating there up in the air. The stalker peers into the Cyhawk's eyes, searching for the answer to his question. But the Cyhawk does not speak. His purpose has been served. And fading into mist, he disappears. He just basically just floats there and scowls at them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Cyhawk back. <laughs> uh, which is still my favorite, you know, concept of this whole thing is that they have this ultimate power that is controlling and perhaps doesn't really like them. <laughs> I don't know. Emmett Proudhawk seemed pretty like sociable with them and everything, but uh, yeah, perhaps he like hated kids. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and that's that's still our mystery though. Is like, what in the hell is this thing? Right? It, it, does it actually have any uh, connection to the life or the spirit or the abilities of Emmett Proudhawk in the first place? Because mm. I mean, it it kind of has some of his power to influence right so proud hawk had that kind of psychic pushing ability to get the kids to do what they wanted and, and he, he had wayne's powers basically right but yeah, yeah is cyhawk using that is that his it's only universal power like to, to push the kids around hmm. anyway <laughs> so sassy heals the other kids uh so then they're all kind of faced with thomas standing there uh, okay now what we're all in the same boat you betrayed your boss what are you going to do you know the the uh, mysterious shadowy benefactor is, is on the radio uh, what's going on I can't contact the men it's like nobody here but us freaks sir and he smashes the radio against the wall uh, so again uh, you know they're trying to get him to kind of you know, what are you going to do will you join us um he runs away he's going he's going to do his own thing he takes the speedboat presumably from the uh, team of goons and just heads off destination unknown <clears throat> hopefully he's back to get that car right? i wouldn't uh leave that part to boss yeah keys get it repoed or something <laughs> enjoy it while you can man right but uh it's probably got a tracking device in it or something, right? Oh. Do we have those? Be a things? terrible spy, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, so Wayne didn't really get to do much this issue, uh, but he's as tradition. It's kind of working cleanup on who's left, right? So, you know, kind of zaps the guards so they should sleep for a while. Um, Stasi ends up healing them all because she's concerned that Thomas, or yeah, that. Thomas's power might, in fact, kill them. Uh, she doesn't really know. So she's the nice one, uh, heals them regardless. And then they kind of brain control the tourists and the and one of the uh, uh, guides to take them back on the boat. You know, I don't want to complain, but this is like a lot going on in like two or three panels. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most interesting stuff to, to spend a lot of time on, to be fair, but... Yeah, wrap just, it up. Right. <laughs> wrap it up. Comics over. Everybody's going back to normal, back to the sanctuary or something like that. And yet, 
uh, a little out of nowhere here. Um, you know, we had no choice, Wayne. What weirds me out, though, is that Stalker was able to help make the Cyhawk. It makes sense if you think about it. After all, he was on Proudhawk's list, too. He could have been one of us, right? But it's, and Kathy has been barely in this issue at all. It's, you know, that's too bizarre for words. I'd like to know more about what that's all, all about. But the only ones who could tell us are Hawk or the Cyhawk. One's dead and the other never answers questions. He definitely does not. Uh, and then Stasi comes out of the blue with, what about Hawk's grandmother, the Indian medicine woman? He claims she taught him a lot. I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe she could help us. Let's go see her. <laughs> and then they I did. love that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I also think it's ridiculous, but it'll get us out of this crummy town. I'll tag along. So yeah. Okay, <laughs> maybe that's the next issue, but it doesn't seem like it necessarily will be the only part. So the end says, but first, Wayne faces some bitter truths about himself and his friends. Don't miss next issues pushed too far. Ooh. Ooh. So maybe we get a Wayne-centric issue before we go off to talk to the mystical grandma. Nice. <laughs> One can hope. Wayne, tell us about your family. <laughs> tell us about your friends. <laughs> he didn't shake his fist too hard when I asked him that time. Oh, wow. All right. So another issue of Cyforce complete. Got some stuff going on. I say grade this thing and then talk about universe news. All right. All right. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the issue. Uh there's a lot of action. We got Cyhawk again. We got the story kind of moving along. We got maybe a new good guy as Thomas Boyd, the stalker. I'm a little bummed that we're back at the sanctuary, though I guess we didn't really waste any time there today. Maybe they're maybe they won't go back, go back. Yeah. Hmm. A minus, I'm thinking. Yeah, I uh I also liked the uh the action. The, the first artist, Mark Texiera, I, I don't, it's not like my favorite style, but it's like I've gotten so uh, used to it with the Cyforce that I really, and it's nicely expressive. He does good action. Um, but yeah, mostly I really like the direction they're going with uh, Thomas Boyd, the sort of, you know, not just defeat an enemy, but turn an enemy into an ally or something or a potential ally. That's great. You know, it's a good uh, uh, unexpected turn. Um, we don't get a lot of answers about these like mysterious figures and everything. But um, overall, very happy with this uh, issue. Um, yeah, A minus. I'll call it. I'll right. It's a nice turnaround from the last one, which was kind of a stinker. It yeah they the um I, I almost like wonder if they if they're talking about like a road trip you know it's like is this in the right order <laughs> it's like we're in San Francisco we're in Seattle we're back in San Francisco and now we're somewhere else it's like couldn't we just have done the out of San Francisco ones in sequence but who knows it's you know change of artists so maybe there was like some. So yeah, the, things, uh, the the Marvel Age kind of like what it had 
in number 50, it had all those like breakdowns and kind of like talking about where each one's going. And of course, some of them were like way off from reality, I guess. But I think that was right around this time. And it was kind of still saying, yeah, they're going to be going on the road and having misadventure stuff. So, so maybe that's still to come. <laughs> and that the other one was just kind of a diversion. But yeah, I, we had kind of both been excited about that road trip adventure idea so hopefully it still happens there's plenty of issues to go but we'll see yeah you're right those uh blurbs are from marvel age 50 so it's definitely all kind of coming together at the time same time here um yeah road trip's a good idea the um investigating proud hawks Whatever the heck it was he was doing, that's a good angle to approach the mystery of the Cyhawk. A um, couple more, you know, the mystery of the Thomas's boss, who he did not elaborate on in the least, but still, whatever. Um, yeah, it's all it's all going um, very po- very positively. I'm pretty happy with everything this week. Yeah, this. I mean, for all of the. You know, and there tends to be justified criticism for creator changes. But what I've found in reading it on the long haul, it's like, well, if you didn't like this issue, see what you get next issue. Right? <laughs> it might totally turn around and be better again. You know, so I mean, you can really just have a uh, two or three issues in a row of one guy, or and you'll be like, oh yeah, that style's working now. You know, that gets it. Uh, Either you get used to it or he's like figured it out. I don't know which sometimes, but yeah. One or the other. Uh, but yeah, so the, the checklist is back. It's been so long. I love checklists. <laughs> got the right. universe news. We got a nice little page of all of the, you know, kind of like production staff, right? Like people who handle are very, actual... uh, like behind the scenes. I mean, yeah. not even like editorial. They're, like paste up artists and stuff photostat operator <laughs> the photostat operator however is the world-renowned throttler of high school interns so i bet there's an interesting story there <laughs> i think there was a thing where they each like got to make their own little caricature of themselves or something but or yeah. maybe something to like get a friend of theirs to do it for them but yeah mm-hmm. they're all very cute um and they're all just like a bunch of funny comments like you'd get in a high school yearbook or something, but it's fine. Um, I mean, I've been looking forward to universe news, just remembering that that was an integral part of the new universe. Um, and yeah, getting reader involvement, you have to have them giving you something. Like, hey, reader, uh, send us some mail, read our Here's the other titles that are going on. Here's a funny contest. I don't know. Get to know us. Yeah. Yeah. All we've had for quite a while is just the, the sweepstakes pages kind of thing. But we got the checklist. We got the question of the month. We've got a like micro contest to try and find their slogan, right? Mm-hmm. Which they don't have. I don't know. Do you want to look at any of the uh, editor responses or save those for later? Uh, let's save them for next time. We can um, we can make our own like uh, idea of what uh, of the 
the answer, our answers to the question of the month. There's also an ad for uh, Codename Spitfire. I don't know the, I don't recognize the name of that comic. <laughs> what? There seems to be a manila envelope with some sort of a giant robot in it. Uh, New Universe, monthly from Marvel. Hmm, seems like we should know these people. There's a, ah, a redheaded woman. Uh, maybe a fire from the Justice League around this time. <laughs> Didn't she have green hair? Ah, oh, man, you are right. I got busted. <laughs> what kind of comics fan are you? <laughs> Mary Jane? <laughs> Mary. Very Gray's come back already. Um, you've got an old guy and a jaunty young guy. Could be Merck if he didn't if he had a scar. Yeah, Merck would never have that goofy smile though. Yeah, there's like a, a like a Luger pistol looking thing and uh, a photo of a bunch of scientists, professors in front of a math board. One of them now, one of them is a woman, so they can't be scientists. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just got us canceled. Oh my gosh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. She's wearing like a lab coat. Yeah, she is. Yeah, so I was trying to imagine what we would get from this. That actually is like the most interesting thing to me, that picture of scientists. Um, I'm imagining like she goes on a hunt for Jenny's mother, who's also a robot designer or something. I don't know. Jenny's mom's not going to have black hair. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it just seems like it's got to be like generic 0070 spy kind of stuff, right? This I mean, woman has disappeared. It's time to get in the robot suit. I guess that's also possible. I'm, I'm hopeful that this is not the official new design of Spitfire or the, the Max robot. Um, it looks like an, it looks like an angry GoBot. <laughs> At this point, I'll take almost anything. Oh, it's been like six months. Come on, man. You promised us. Okay, it wasn't giant robot comics, but still. It'd be nice if the big robot was featured in the comic about the people who piloted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, do I get anything on the backgrounds of the photos? Not really. No. no. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. I, I have not read any of this stuff, so I don't know what to expect other than it's definitely a new direction and some spy kind of stuff. Yeah, the logo, if I didn't say it, was there's a new name for danger, which I guess is codename Spitfire. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. Um, I was kind of hoping for less danger, actually, after everybody keeps dying. <laughs> I think we're um, in the minority of always wanting more like scientific achievement than adventure, but okay. Yeah. I'm um, so yeah, cloak and dagger, spy thriller kind of stuff. Although, you know, let me think. Tom Clancy was sort of the father of the techno thriller, and he was 
popular with Ronald Reagan. So maybe at this time we were actually at the um, leading edge of that genre or subgenre, which would at least be like a kind of uh, a version of the spy story, which would work well with um, Spitfire. But I yeah, I mean, the spy thriller has definitely never died as a as a novel genre, but yeah, I, mean, I guess we, we got a new direction. Yeah, this is our modesty, first big change, modesty blaze. Yeah, this is probably our first big new universe change, right? Title change is a big one. Yeah, we've got Starbrand going bi monthly. Um, that Spitfire, I mean, they got, took the troubleshooters off the cover, but it was still in the Indicia. So, and they were still taking up 50% of the panels. Yeah, and they were still <laughs> in the book. So, yeah. But, um, Actually, Presumably they're still going to be around too because they haven't quite like didn't seem didn't seem like they hit like a final point in their story yet. I think who knows? Or, yeah. Um, so we'll see how if <clears throat> but yeah, it's definitely a big change coming here. Um, yeah, the only other big thing that's kind of hanging out there is again the Marvel age of the time uh had the one of these stars will die thing on its front cover too so right yeah the uh let's see and i don't think they meant whichever troubleshooter they <laughs> didn't feel like uh continuing on with because no spoilers for you kids who haven't gone back to our visit our old episodes yeah it's uh it's all like the title characters um well okay it does have the troubleshooters on there but um yeah, yeah. So there, that the that's a known thing that death is coming. So or more death. So haven't got there yet. Nothing's canceled yet. I don't know. No. Yeah, we were talking about like getting out of sync last time. I think and uh, the star brand finally going like seven when everything else has progressed to eight. Yeah, I was kind of remembering the the new DC's new fifty two when everything was like completely in sync for I don't I don't remember how long it was like it was like six or eight months maybe or less yeah that was the uh, the heroes are gone too at that point right was that like the beginning of new 52 the Batman Superman and whatever were missing or was that handled in 52 I'm trying to remember I don't know it's no, not really I think new that was the weekly related. 52, not like the reboot universe new 52. Yeah. I don't know. DC reboots themselves every couple of weeks. So <laughs> yeah. If you uh I, I one thing I've learned is like, yeah, just because an answer, you know, something you did was useful or necessary at one point doesn't mean doing it over and over again is the right answer. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I really like about this new universe, too, is like. You know, although there's some pieces left on the table as like, you know, books didn't last forever and like the whole thing was only a couple of years, you know, and so you could feel like there's some stories that you wish you could have continued and such like it's done like it like it's a series of books, you know, it's not, you know, the continuing adventures of I guess Starbrand is kind of continued on into the Marvel Universe as a concept and not really as a character. 
Um, but like, you don't have to think about, you know, DP seven volume five and a whole new take on it again. And then a new take on it again. And, you know, like, it's just, you got the story and that's it. Like, I kind of like that. Scuzz would be like 50 now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Third generation. Third you don't have, and you don't have to do any of that weird time compression stuff where it's like, wait, was Magneto still in Auschwitz or something? We, we're, are we blaming like the neo-Nazis in Eastern Europe now for his, uh, it's like somehow we're there in the 1970s or something? Yeah, yeah I, I mean they 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 um, yeah they dropped like a lot of the Vietnam references from people's origins, but kept the World War II references. Really? Anyway. <laughs> well, the Punisher can't be like seventy five, I guess. Though I'm sure they've told that story already too. <laughs> I also got the uh, secret agent serum thing. Anyway. Um, yeah, Wait, I don't know. Secret I mean, Asian serum? What? I, 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 we'll, we'll have a code game Spitfire to look forward to, and um, we'll go over the new universe, uh, universe news in our next um, podcast. Yeah, spread the love. Yeah, don't want to blow our. Our, our one chance to talk about universe news. I mean, <laughs> on the other hand, we shouldn't really drag it out over the whole month either. But yeah. people want to know the kind of thing you won't find in a collected edition. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, what's going on in Mark Hazard Merck next time? Well, I've been told that in Mark Hazard Merck number 12, Mark Hazard must choose between his contract and his conscience. He discovers that a candidate he's been hired to protect is less than what he appears to be. Clients is written by Doug Murray, penciled by Gray Morrow. Um, I feel like I already read that issue. That feels pretty familiar, yeah. Well, so uh, the New Universe checklist has Mark has Merck number eight. The Vatican hires Hazard to retrieve stolen holy relic from Lebanon. Ooh, now that sounds interesting. So all he does is run into problems with his contract. And then Treetop is yelling, the contract, and then you (laughs) shoot him. And (laughs) anyway, I'm gonna gonna have to get the Pope to bless you this time. (laughs) Why did you shoot Treetop, man? Uh, Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so kickers inc eight the smashers are in the super bowl will the temptation for jack magniconti to use his edge to win be too great to resist written by terry kavanaugh penciled by rod wiggum and inked by tony DeZuniga. i'm excited about the smasher super bowl so it's you football uses edge aka cheat <laughs> I thought he was going to tell the bosses that he was he was giving up giving it up he wasn't even going to play so we'll mm-hmm. find out <laughs> you just have yeah. to listen and I'll just have to read it new universe checklist concurs so I think we got a good uh, good chance that that's exactly what we'll see next time so All right. maybe we'll get more players to fill out the roster that I've made that would be exciting 
for only me. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for today, folks. Uh, kickersinc.com, as always. Newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Be the first one ever to email us on that line. Actually, second, perhaps. Um, and we'll see you back next time at the Spinner Rack. Bye. Uh-